0: I would say that if you are curious about plant medicine, stay curious, get curious, ask questions, reach out. The internet is a profound place of information, but it's also a profound place of a lot of lies and misinformation. So look for communities that are structured and give you the right resources. You know, Michael Pollan. The forefathers that are still around have a lot of great information and they're the ones that will also open gateways. There's, you know, a lot of great resources. So stay curious and don't be scared because we're we're made to work with them.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Psychedelic Conversations. Today, we have Megan and Nicole Michelena in the house. Welcome. Such a pleasure to have you both.
0: Thank you, Susan, for having
2: us. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. Thank you, Susan.
1: So I'm just going to speak a little bit about your bio to our listeners, um, for them to connect and have a context of, you know, where you're coming from and then we can dive into your stories which is the most exciting part and then um let's see how it unfolds for us all uh so you um you guys are a microdosing institute certified uh mental health experts specializing in psychedelic medicines they are known as the you guys are known as the synchronicity Z- syncronicity mm-hmm. right synchronicity sisters um Co-founders of Synchronosity, a plant medicine microdosing mentorship program that supports healing through psilocybin. Uh, Megan, you also a certified holistic nutritionist, health coach, and you both are trauma-informed yoga teachers, crystal experts, and Megan also an astrologer. Astrologer, astrologer, astrology. So that's really <laughs> fascinating. I know these words. I'm always like struggling to pronounce. Um, so there's a lot here we can talk about, but firstly, please tell us your background and what brings you to this space.
2: Thank you again for having us, Susan. Um, it's been a wild ride. I think most people's stories are kind of crazy, but of course, if we go back, um, almost 15 years now is probably when ours started, but COVID kind of sent us into starting a company and all of that. Uh, but, we both grew up together, obviously, we're sisters. but um, our dad was an alcoholic, and our mom struggled severely with mental illness. Um, she actually had a psychotic break when I was around six, and my sister was ten and ended up in a psych ward for um, a couple years of our lives. So when you see that happen so young, and then you have a father that's pretty, I mean, he was a very high functioning alcoholic um. You know, it's actually amazing when I look back, like how he was able to maneuver life for as much as he was drinking, but it runs in his family line, you know, having the German Irish background, his parents were alcoholics and their parents were alcoholics. I think that just, you know, it perpetuates and you basically become immune in a way uh, because his whole family were high functioning alcoholics, Um, you know, CFOs, CEOs, wild that they can drink like that and still function uh so we grew up and then you know i entered i went to yoga teacher training when i was 21 and i realized then that how i was functioning wasn't normal my behaviors weren't normal like being a perfectionist the way that i would um even you know give people the silent treatment and not be able to talk about things or you know there was mental health issues i just wasn't aware because you don't know what you don't know And, you know, I think the baby boomer generation was very much just like sweep everything under the rug and don't talk about it. Our family's perfect. Everything's perfect. Uh, So when I became a yoga teacher in San Francisco, it was actually the the yoga studio owner. I couldn't teach because I was such a perfectionist that I would like shut down in front of the room if I got one thing wrong or felt like I wasn't doing something perfect. It just completely I would not be able to talk, not be able to teach my brain would basically go blank blank. And so she took me to something called Al-Anon. And surprisingly enough, I'd never heard of that before, but it's the counterpart to AA. Um, if you're an Al-Anon, you're basically a dry drunk. Uh, you have all of the same characteristics, but you're usually a severe codependent. Um, and so I went there and I was like, that person sounds like me. That person (laughs) sounds like me. Uh, and shockingly like, this isn't normal. So it started there. And then our dad actually got sober about a year after three months, three months after we joined Al-Anon. I didn't realize it was that short of a time. It was super short. Um, so he got sober. He went into AA. So our whole family at that point was in recovery. My mom joined Al-Anon because her father was an alcoholic and, you know, she had, so going back to when we were, you know, sh- she had an absolute psychotic break. Um, they couldn't actually even bring her back. They had to give her, We have an uncle that's a neurosurgeon in New York, and he had to fly out and convince the psych ward to actually give her shock treatment to bring her back. They were, my dad was going to sign her in to the psych ward for the rest of her life. So she ended up getting shock treatment and came back. She was on lithium. She was on all these things. And what is really wild to me is that when she came off lithium, she was pretty functional and is to this day, pretty functional, still has a lot of mental health issues, but you know, now we know that it was trauma based. When somebody has such a severe, such severe trauma that they never deal with, that they can have a psychotic break. It's no different than suicide, right? It's like she just snapped. She couldn't be here anymore in this world. It was too painful. Uh, You know, and psychedelics have even helped her. And there's a lot of, you know, controversy about people that have mental health backgrounds using those. And it has worked for her, not saying that that is, for everybody. But, you know, what we've seen just in her growth is astounding from where we came from as kids. But, you know, Al-Anon is kind of where it started with yoga, starting to do yoga. If anybody's read The Body Keeps Score, you know, releasing trauma from the body, but, you know, my body issues, all of the things that I was holding and didn't really realize started to come up into my yoga practice. There was a lot of support there before I even really knew what the word trauma-informed yoga teacher was or trauma in general. I was processing a lot in the yoga rooms. Uh, and then I became a holistic nutritionist. and you know, then then all of this happened with covid. and then psychedelics kind of became on the forefront of everybody's mind. And from three different sources, um I heard it from, a friend that actually lives here in Colorado Springs and then a yoga teacher that had lived in she's in Italy now. Um, and then we heard it because my sister was actually in yoga teacher training at the time from a body worker, shaman dude that's like, you have a block in your heart chakra. You might want to look into doing <laughs> psychedelics to open that. And we kind of came together as sisters and was like, there's something to this. And we have a lot of unprocessed trauma that we are aware of, but we've just never known how to deal with it on therapist couches, on, you know, thinking about things, but it just never, it it was like, you know, there's those loops that you get into and I'd get into a loop and I wouldn't be able to get out of that loop. And through, um, rape or hape, as they say it here in America, um, you know, psychedelics and all of that, it changed so quickly. It was like, all of a sudden I could be self-aware in a moment where I was having one of my trauma spins And able to not go so deep into that frantic, manic state of abandonment or whatever it was, and then we were just like, "There's something." We just kept digging deeper and deeper. We both had mentors. Even my mom got a mentor. We were all working in plant medicine, and then uh, we're like, "We need to get into this. We need to help other people." Um, You know, and there's people like Dr. Pat Allen that works in androgynous semantic realignment. We started working with her. Um, you know, with plant medicine. Cause it's, it's the plant medicine is amazing itself, but if you can do that and reframe the brain to shift the neuroplasticity, it's gold. It's like the key. We found something where I was seeing shifts in real time with us. And then of course you experiment on friends first of like, here, try this. Does it work? And then you move out, right. As the word spreads. And it's just been such an honor and a whirlwind to just see how the universe works when you kind of open up to the the possibility of something so much bigger than you right and i was always afraid of psychedelics i never did drugs you know i drank and smoked a little weed in in high school but i was pretty straight edge and then to get into this world and then i was like well no wonder certain people don't want this out in society because it frees the mind it frees you from your programming your chains your dna all of it. It's like it stops with us and it gets to change with us. And I'm still working every day on myself, but it's so extraordinary to have something that can assist in real time uh and we've dedicated our hearts and our bank accounts and everything to this movement. We really have. I've never believed in something more in my life. And I will spend the rest of my life making sure that people have access to this. Um, just from what I've seen in ourselves and continue to see in ourselves and every person that comes into contact with um, specifically mushrooms, but it's, it's extraordinary.
1: Yeah. Um, My, oh, go ahead. No, that's all. Um, Thank you so much. That was really wonderful. Share. Please go ahead. Um, Yeah.
0: So my story is, um, I mean, Megan and I had the same childhood, you know, we grew up in a very dysfunctional household, but yet that was our normal. And I remember looking back and being like, wait, like normal people don't function like this. Like this isn't normal people's households because I was also surrounded by people that had very similar families. And it was something that couldn't be shifted. I didn't know how to be attracted to something outside of the, you know, alcoholic home, the abusive, you know, narcissistic behaviors that I was witnessing every day. And where Megan chose, like Megan went perfectionism. I, I did have borderline. I do have borderline perfectionist tendencies down to almost like a scary flaw. But I also started using like cannabis at a very young age because I didn't know how to deal with my feelings because I didn't have a platform to speak my feelings or to have feelings. And the beautiful thing that like through the journey with psychedelics is, is that you're able to understand yourself and accept yourself. And then you're ideally unfuckable with. You can't meet anyone out. I mean, anybody can tell you something and you're just like, I'm not taking that on. And I have feelings and I'm allowed to have feelings and psychedelics are a huge part of shifting that subconsciously because we can think about it all day long of like, oh, conscious mind, you know, you can, you can think about your feelings all day, but it's the deep programming in the subconscious is really where the magic happens with the use of psychedelics, where you're actually really getting to implement it. And I know for like my, and we could go deep into my story, but that that has been the biggest shift in my journey of being able to be okay with my feelings and hold space for them and hold space for other people's feelings because we are our human. We are all on a human, we're having a human experience and we all come from different walks of life and accepting and understanding that is probably one of the most beautiful things that plant medicine can give people.
1: I love that more connection, connection with ourselves and the people around us and the planet, right? Yep. So what what do you both think about? I mean, you can answer this separately, but uh, what do you think about, um, you know, there is also a concept that medicine alone is not enough. Uh, One of my favorite quotes actually is that medicine shows you where to begin rather than heals you. Um, Where do you stand on that? On this, the container part probably most important, but would love to hear your thoughts. So uh, you
2: know, it it it's never enough. It's always a it's a tool, and it's an extraordinary tool, right? Because if you look at like any kind of addiction, which I think almost everybody has some sort of addiction or coping mechanism, right? Pretty much the same thing, depending on what household you're in, if you don't understand scripting and framing, and you don't understand how important the masculine and feminine is, you know, these concepts are thousands and thousands of years old, which is so wild to me that they're just now being rediscovered and brought into the consciousness. Because I used to think like masculine and feminine was, you know, biology, not actually energy frequencies that exist in all of us. And, you know, that finding out that most women have what we call like masculine shields and I'm guilty of it. It's, you know, instead of the masculine and the feminine working together, in fact, we're at odds and we compete. And it it's, you know, learning those things with the medicine, especially because mushrooms are androgynous and we're androgynous. They're a very similar energy field. So as we work with the mushrooms in our, you know, courses and things like that, it's really re-discovering who you are, but you have to have framing and understanding so that as soon as you're not taking the mushrooms, it's not all of a sudden like, oh, I can't change, You know, I can't change, I can't do this, I can't do that. Well, because we have so many people coming to us, they're like, well, I've been microdosing, I've been using mushrooms, why isn't it working? And it's like, because you're framing isn't changing. You don't know how to act any different. And that's why our course even works, even if you're not taking psychedelics and we have people do it that don't want to take psychedelics because for whatever reason, and that's their personal decision, you know, and that's Dr. Pat Allen's work. She doesn't use psychedelics. She uses androgynous semantic realignment. We know semantic realignment works. But again, if you go back to even our stories, you don't know what you don't know. So you have to learn what you don't know and have the tools to reframe the brain so that you can change actions. And we go into T4, which thoughts are the fastest form of energy, right? Quantum physics, where the slowest form of energy is matter. Eventually thoughts become your body. This is where you get illness, dis-ease. You get any kind of suffering physically is from thought patterning. And even Dr. Pat Allen talks about this. And it's so wild to me that when I found that out, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza, there's so many much talk about this. And I feel like we don't need psychedelics. They're here to assist you. But the goal is actually to discover that all of the power is within you and you can do it with meditation and you can do it with thought patterning change. But so many people are so deeply programmed that they needed an assistant. And that's why I feel like God or whatever you want to say, gave us these tools to be able to break that patterning. It makes you shift um, faster and it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, no, this is great. Um Because, you know, we focus on the container part of it, mostly, um, just because, you know, we've seen now, I think there are enough evidences out there that um, a lot of people can, you know, consume plant medicines, but it's very difficult to break from those chains of our, you know, old patterns. So I agree with you, Megan, in terms of um, these powerful tools being the sort of catalyst to break us open. To understand our programming and maybe where we're coming from um and see ourselves for who we are i think that's the really the tricky part because lots of people are in therapy for years and years they do so many things you know body work everything breath work and we hardly see any you know real tangible healing um so that being said what do you guys think of uh, the, the healing process for example what does it mean for you and if you know for our listeners because especially now the trauma informed or the trauma the word's been spread out it's so mainstream and I'm sure you guys have these conversations like, like we do in our own community um yeah what are your thoughts on the healing journey and also like the trauma aspect of it
2: so, you know, the healing journey is different for everybody. It looks different for everyone. And that's what's so extraordinary is that when you have, you know, the framing tools and, you know, the the mushrooms that I believe that everything has a consciousness, right? It's Carl Jung's theories of like the mass consciousness and the mushrooms are a part of this and using intention with healing is, is wild to watch how you can heal people that don't even have the same backgrounds or the same kinds of trauma and things like that using this because even though we're all have different wounds, they all peter down to like the same traumas, um, you know, and we don't even use the word trauma in our, <laughs> in our containers because it's actually your strengths, your shadow and your light are one and the same. It just depends on how you look at things. You know, I used to look at like my background in trauma and the things that have happened to me and think like, oh my gosh, why did this happen to me? I was in such victimhood. And now I look at those and go, oh my gosh, I wouldn't take even a minute of that back. And I think that's part of the healing journey, right? And Ruez talks about that and like the five agreements and stuff. It's not about making it go away it's about transmuting it into, you know, a festering wound into a scar so that you can turn around and hold space for the person behind you and be the light at the end of the tunnel and hold space for their healing journey because you know one person does this another person does this and as this builds in the mass consciousness and builds with the mushrooms and people start to believe in all of these things healing journeys become this beautiful part of everyone's story where we're not ashamed or sad or guilty about what's happening. Um, we're actually in this beautiful bubble of like, life is happening for me, not to me. And it shifts you out of victimhood. And I think that's the hardest shift. And the biggest thing that we're seeing right now is that so many people are making themselves victims to everything in there. Well, poor me, why this? Poor me, why that? Instead of taking radical accountability and realizing. No, actually your wounds and your pain and your suffering that you've experienced are directly related to your purpose. It depends on how you look at it. So this healing journey is kind of like a metamorphosis of like a butterfly, right? It's turning you into a butterfly or that like higher self that you always came here to be. It's just the energy is so dense right now that, you know, psychedelics are coming on so quickly and I get so excited about it because it's like these people take these once. And we had a client yesterday that literally had a dream that her psoriasis was healed. Like she was going like this with her arm. And she woke up and it was almost gone. I mean, that's what these the like, that's what we're seeing happen is is I'm like now I understand more and more why they call these magic mushrooms because you really can't explain it. It's between you and your heart and the higher self and the connection into the earth that these um you know, mushrooms are bringing with intentions that, I mean, I've always believed in a power greater than myself, but it's become so much more of my day-to-day life of understanding that the divine is within us and we have all of the power, um, and to watch the world start to heal because it's, it's everywhere. That's what's so wild. It's happening everywhere all at once. Um, and people waking up to really their true potential is just, I i know a lot of people are like, I don't know why I'm alive right now, but it's kind of, and I'm so, ex- I'm so excited about it. We're, we're on the precipice of such a, we don't even know what it looks like on the other side of this mass awakening is what we call it in the human beings of, you know, just how much the divine is with us all the time.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Being in the U.S. and, of course, being in the middle of the whole happening, uh, the psychedelic renaissance at the moment, it's huge. And there are parts of the country decriminalizing and there's legalization happening in some parts. Uh, What are your observations around this emerging psychedelic renaissance? And do you see U.S. as the leading country? Because we did kind of touched on. Australia, shocking us out of our systems, (laughs) becoming the first country, but what are your thoughts and observations around the whole thing?
0: Well, I think what's really happening right now is, you know, touching, this is happening on a worldwide level. People are, they're seeking answers outside of like the big pharmaceuticals because they aren't getting the answers that they were once thinking that that would be the answer, right? So we have the, the rise We had the rise of Adderall, we had the rise of SSRIs, NRIs, and now we're having the rise of the psychedelics. First we had weed and now we have psychedelics. And what's happening is is that originally, if we look back on the history of psychedelics, they were made illegal because they were realizing and the tests that were being done were actually showing that they could open the minds and the consciousness of human and the government was like, oh, wow, this is hold on time out because if we, if people get these in their hands, then they're going to be uncontrollable because they're going to be free thinking and they're going to be broken out of this system because of the assistance of being able to heal the subconscious, being able to know self, therefore that no longer, that will dissolve out church and that will dissolve, dissolve out government because rules will no longer exist. So. If we look at the history of it, we see why it was based on control. And even the pharmaceuticals nowadays, you go to a therapist's office, you say you're struggling studying or you're struggling focusing, they'll give you Adderall, they'll give you Wellbutrin, they'll just send you on your way, but they won't actually ask you what's happening. So what's happening now is like this, this rise of the third wave of the psychedelic renaissance. A lot of it was happening during COVID. While a lot of people were looking to their TVs for answers of like vaccines and what's next and rules, the psychedelics were rising and they were rising so quickly that they weren't paying attention. Those, you know, the higher, higher legals were not paying attention and now it's unstoppable. And the United States, the beautiful thing about the United States is that we have legislation that is allowed to be shifted based on what our government is founded upon. And that is what we're seeing, especially like within Oregon. Oregon decriminalized first, then they legalized. Colorado followed very quickly after within two years. We did the biggest legislation push for psilocybin in plant medicine that has been known in the U.S. And guess what? Now we have 42 other states that have written legislation following. And within the next two years, we will probably see at least 35 of those states either decriminalize completely or legalize and decriminalize simultaneously. Um, and so the great part about that happening is that it opens the gates for more science that opens the more gates for people to start being like, oh, there's something to this because where some of us are very like, oh, we can free think outside of rules, there are still a lot of people that are questioning it because of generational information that has been passed down. Big, you know, our here in the United States, under the legislation of President Nixon, he put in all of the drug laws, right? We saw MDMA, we saw Peyote, we saw mescaline, we saw all of these plant medicines become illegal overnight in an emergency act to push his presidential election, which is now actually, you know, they now have written many papers about it. At the time, it was for the people. Now it was, we're realizing it was for a, a certain agenda. And the thing is, is that this is going to allow for people to have options. And this is going to allow for other countries to seek options as well. As we saw, Australia, they just went for it because they suffered severely during COVID mental health. Their suicide rates. Where no one was talking about them, they're now starting to surface. But Australia suffered tremendously as a country from just suicidal deaths from isolation and mental health. That is now something that we have to talk about, and that's what psychedelics are where they're on the forefront of mental health because there's so many people suffering. We are suffering at a higher level than we ever have before. And now people are seeking answers and plant medicine is giving answers, Um, science or not. People are having profound breakthroughs. I was just reading a couple of weeks ago, John Hopkins, 87% sobriety rate and two large doses of psilocybin. That is higher in a higher successful rate than any other rehab, AA, any other program that they have ever found to date. That is remarkable for the mental health, health And for the addiction.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. And do you guys think that the COVID was the catalyst in sort of opening the doors for the psychedelics to come in? Or is it just nature's plan? Because a lot of the leaders in the space, they say they're coming. You know, there is my favorite, my favorite saying is that psychedelics are cultivating us. So yes. there are lots yes. of people talking about that. Um, but- I'm with you on that. I think science is definitely dissolving the stigma. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Pollan, you know, his Netflix series have really reached to some people that wouldn't even consider or even have a conversation around psychedelics. Um, now are talking and interested in and in researching. So that's a great thing. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Is this the catalyst? Is it the time of the uh, the era or the you know? Every now and then, you know, the the world faces something like biblical as this um, post-pandemic is now proving to be one of those. Uh, And you're right, people are really suffering in isolation. I think it's kind of amplified and shown us what the real problem is, I guess, globally.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's funny, right? Because I've even, you look at like the Bible and this and that, and it's like, I always, we grew up Catholic, and it was like revelations. Oh my gosh. But now I look at revelations as a revelation of the mind. Like, I think that there's a lot of, um, metaphor. The, the, there's just, there's something to the, you know, um, Bhagavad Gita or the Maharabhata. Mahar, I'm like, I always forget how to say it. Um, you know, there's all of these themes about, you know, the great awakening and things like that. And it's like, how do you even make that up? Because back then they didn't even have, supposedly didn't have the technology we do you know who knows what they were actually capable of um you know i have my theories but it's i think that covid showed us the darkness i think that it woke a lot of people up to asking the question of do we want to perpetuate and continue to live like this because taking how many of us have ever taken a pause like that right I mean, most of us, it's like you run through childhood, then you run through and then it's like you have to go to college and you have to get married. You have to have kids. And you're just so busy in the program that there was never a pause. And then all of a sudden they locked us up to see if they could have control. And what they actually did was make some of us start to question, what is life if there's no joy? What is life if, you know, that that's it? That you know, you just run through the programming, and you know, do we want to be our parents? No. Do we want to be our parents' parents? No. Do we want our kids to go into the same systems? Because systems create systems. It's like the debt in college and all of these things. It's like you're not worth anything if you don't go to college. You're not debt da 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 da. And it's like I used to be a private flight attendant. Every billionaire I flew, except for one, didn't have a college education. That tells you something. It's like, huh? They didn't spend all of that money. To be programmed to be put into the system, it doesn't mean that there's not, you know, like doctors and lawyers and things like that. I get why they're going to college, but why is everybody have to go to college? Or, you know, there's that stigma around that. There's just so much programming on programming on programming that creates shame and guilt and pain and suffering. And COVID, you know, at least we're seeing with a lot of people, just woke people up. It was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. What is the point if. There's not community if there's not love, if there's not and what is this fight for power, right? We see this in couples, we see this in the mass con it's like everybody's fighting for power and nobody's fighting for love. And it's like we have to come back to that fight for love and fight for each other because we are all in this together. If I heal, somebody else is going to heal because they see changes, they see differences that didn't exist in the field or at least my field before and you know, I think COVID, we will look back and it'll be one of the biggest blessings that ever happened to mankind. Um, but I also think it was predestined, uh, in my opinion, with, as an astrologer and things like that. We entered the age of Aquarius. Aquarian rules humanity, it rules the mass consciousness, it rules the rise of the people and the love for the people instead of this very, you know, Capricorn y structured business, like every man for themselves kind of energy. And, you know, I think. By the end of this, we're going to be in a very village mentality where villages are raising kids and it's not just on two parents. That creates mental illness in itself. I mean, kids are so much work and there should be, you know, so much love surrounded. I really like how the Native Americans really, how their societies and everything were formed. And guess what? Psychedelics were a part of that. They took psychedelics away from the Native Americans because they couldn't civilize them. Um, you know, direct quote from our you know government and it's just i think we have so much to look forward to and the catalyst to that was covid because it was the great pause um the great reset essentially
0: yeah i think both both of them and even it's still in the works i mean covid now is still we're seeing the ripple effects of covid people are still struggling with mental health people are working remote they don't go into the office anymore they're seeking community they're seeking friendships, they're seeking partnership. Um, And so we're seeing that ripple effect. And I think so many people are choosing to seek outside of boundaries and rules that were at one time so deeply programmed into them.
1: Yeah. Thank you both for sharing. This is so beautiful. And I'm seeing also a lot of community building activities. People like yourselves are really leading that space and with that said, let's talk about your community. What are you guys up to? What do you offer? What kind of things you're up to? But then we can also talk about the I know we need we need to talk about the civic strains, but we'll get to that in a moment. Um let's talk about what you guys are up to.
0: All right. So we are, we have a lot of things kind of in the ma- the making right now. Right now we're running a 12 week one-on-one coaching company uh, program is what we do. We work directly with individuals to help reframe somatic realignment with psilocybin. From there, we actually, um, we will be launching as of May 1st, a full women's community of entrepreneurs and women that have done our work and are continuing to do the work. And because what we're finding is, is that so often The lack of community is why people go back into old behaviors. If no one is accountable and no one around you is doing the work that you're doing or think the way you think, you just go back. And so what we're doing is creating a community of like-minded women. Next is men. Um, We're in the process of getting that structured because community is highly sought after right now. It is one of the biggest things I know that I can speak for myself and Megan is that, there's no community anymore everyone's on social media everyone's on dating apps everyone is um stuck stuck to technology and we have to get back to humans are we're tribal creatures we we survive with you know in tribes and groups and community and without that um we obviously have seen that in mental health you know circling back around isolation is is deadly um i think it's probably one of the highest killers, probably next to heart attacks in, um, you know, in society, but that is kind of what is in the works for us. Um, and we are currently actually building out, we will hopefully be fully launching our own, taking our coaching program and coaching others, because we have found that in the use of our 12 week structure, people are having profound breakthroughs. Whether they're using psilocybin or not, they're able to connect deeper individually, but people are seeking something that's structured, but not have these really hard rules. They're looking for answers and we're able to provide that. So within our coaching communities, we are hoping to be able to touch more people quicker.
2: Well, and I think it just comes back to love. Um, You know, it's such a simple thing but so many people are lacking self-love. And I know that that was my biggest problem. And that's the problem that I see in almost everybody is the lack of yin energy. Yin is our self-love. We actually fall in love with our, we, we fall in love with other people, with our yang, with our masculine energy, but our yin energy is our self-love, how we take care of ourselves, how we love ourselves, how we interact with ourselves and you know, I've I've sat with this a lot because of my own pain. And it's like, what is love? Love is the, you know, commitments and contracts we make to ourselves and others that we keep. How many of us make contracts and commitments like, oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. Or it's the kids. It's my blah, 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 blah. And then you get into... Addiction, self-loathing, suffering, pain, it all comes from the lack of love for self. Because if you don't love somebody else, you can't, or if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. And your kids become programmed into that and everything. It's And that's what codependency and everything comes from is that you're not an interdependent human. You're a codependent human that's looking outside of self for self-worth for value for all of these things. And you know, coming back and teaching people like it's okay to be selfish. Like Yen energy is about selfishness because if you're not cared for, how the heck are you going to care for anybody else? It's okay to spend time by yourself and have your wants, needs, and desires honored and to voice those to other people. Because if we're all self-sufficient humans that love ourselves, and then we come together in the community, think of the power of that versus something that's disempowered and is in a, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. Well, you know, One of the biggest things we deprogram people to say is sorry. sorry. And it's actually really hard for me because it's my default to just, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Somebody's mad at me. Somebody's this, somebody's that. And it's, you know, nobody wants your sorrow. In fact, just say you made a mistake or, you know, this doesn't feel good or I don't feel good. Or, you know, we're so afraid to express our feelings genuinely. And this is something I'm still working on because it's, you know, and in the brain, it's a norepinephrine response, which is the most addictive chemical known to man. Well, it's not a chemical, it's a um, neurotransmitter, but it's just wild, right? Because if you're, it's both a dopamine response, whether you're in pleasure strokes or pain strokes, but when you start to understand those in the brain and you realize you're addicted to norepinephrine, you're addicted to suffering. So you look for pain in your relationships, you start fights, you go out and drive and get road rage and scream and this and that. It's like, that's you're addicted to pain. You're a pain addict. When we say that to people, they're like, what? And, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And this is why, you know, Bill Wilson even got kicked out of his own AA program because when he tried psychedelics, he said, this is the key. This will make addiction a non, a non thing. Right. And you know, I, I believe in that so much, but it all comes back to when you experience that universal love and you experience how much love is really out there in the universe and within yourself and you tap into that, that will heal anything and anyone because you know there's something greater than you. You know what it what it actually means to be alive. And I know many people grow up without really feeling or tapping into that. and That's what our program does. It's like we're basically surrogate moms of like, this is what love really feels like. Um, You know, and our mentor is 90 years old and she's so stoic and she's so lovely. But man, when she calls us out on our BS, it's out of love, but it's so just like in your face of what are you doing? You have choice. You have all the power here. Why are you giving your power away? And that's triggering. But it also goes back to, Correct. I'm responsible for everything and everyone that's in my life and how they're treating me because I get to say no. I get to, you know, have enough self-love to do that. And it's just, I think that's what our program comes back to is
0: just yin and love. Well, and that community keeps everyone accountable in that regard. Um, you know, it's having a space of I did my, I made a mistake, can, you know, I don't know how to communicate my my needs or my, you know, what I don't want from feminine. And the community is built around a support group to be able to say, Hey, okay, here are the, let's go back to the tools because no one's perfect. And this is, you know, I think another thing that is so important to touch on is, is that this isn't an overnight thing. This is a life journey of being consciously aware every day that you're going to choose to make the change. You're going to choose to be in pleasure. You're going to choose to treat people with kindness and love and stepping out of the old programming that you were programmed from childhood. I mean, we're scripted by three. So, um, you know, having that community is really important to us because it's keeping people also accountable and in, you know, that they are all supporting one another
1: that's so beautiful it's very aligned because these are the kind of conversations we're having over here in our communities i believe community is what kills the victimhood mm. and responsibility definitely um brings the self-agency back um fully i'm with you and i think the hardest thing to accept is self-love isn't just champagne and bubble baths you know like yeah. it's not the instagram self love right it's a real direct and, and and you know owning owning your own decisions your life your behavior and also that responsibility that comes with it i think everything you guys have said all i'm hearing is like okay it's time to grow up it's time to grow up and really uh, uh, become autonomous i think um coming from a trauma therapy background myself i always see the trauma impacts us and it really impacts us uh, on the uh, levels where we can't grow up and we, we keep staying stuck in the infantile states, you know, like um, just little children in grown bodies looking for their mommy or something like that. Uh, it's really difficult. And I love what Megan said. Sometimes it just comes down to that love, just realizing that it can heal. And yeah, definitely communities are the, the way forward. And thank you for doing this work. Really appreciate that. Uh, I think we need more leaders and space holders in front lines, being direct, coming with tough love. But really, it's all about, you know, that's the value that we need to remember again. I think we've, um, there's a lot of miscommunication, misunderstanding around what is love. And we've forgotten how important is that tough love and the accountability, right? I think part of the healing for sure. Uh, that being, yeah gone. Well, and I think
0: that that's the that's another beautiful thing is tough love. So often, you know, we've created a society, at least here in the United States, and from what I've observed from humanity, no one wants to hurt anybody else's feelings. But the thing is, is that you're not responsible for anybody else's feelings. You're responsible for helping others expand and grow by being true to yourself and standing in your own truth instead of being in that people pleasing victim mentality of, I'm going to tell them what they want to hear because I don't want them to be mad at me. And, you know, it, it gets into a very vicious cycle when we can go down that wormhole, but that tough love can change someone's life because in that moment of tough love it may hurt but it also gives that person the opportunity to grow and expand if they choose to do so and you know i think back on my own life and i've had some really really aggressive mentors that just that's all it was with tough love but i actually realized that that was that little child in me seeking validation and they didn't let me be a child they let me they were like no you have to be an adult in this and to be able to step into that and to grow is such a beautiful opportunity. If people are willing to take the chance and let go of the fear and the victimhood around tough love, and you can change someone's life by one simple, truthful sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that being said, I think we can move into the uh, psilocybin strains. So um, I don't know, Megan or Nicole, or you both together, or how are you going to, um, tell us, please do.
0: Yeah. So we work with 12 different strains of mushrooms, uh, psilocybin particularly, and they, um, Megan knows this a lot. Megan can like go more in depth on this. Like I, I understand it and how it works, but Megan can give you like the full, I'll let Megan go on this one. I I shouldn't have taken this one. <laughs>
2: You know, it, it, it's funny, right? Because we, there's, there's so many, there's thousands of strands of small mushrooms, many that we probably haven't even discovered because they're deep in the rainforest somewhere. But, you know, when you go back into ancient shamanic um, wisdom, even there's seven strains of ayahuasca. And the shamans use different strains depending on what that person's suffering with. Because funny enough, even shamans believe the disease lives in the mind. And that's why, you know, psychedelics were even a thing. Um, They actually didn't give people ayahuasca back in the day. The shamans would enter a state of, you know, higher dimensions and then be able to actually help and heal that person, which is really wild to me when you read back on that, that only shamans took ayahuasca at one point in time. Um, And then there, they all had the same vision that the white man was going to come and that they needed to start serving people ayahuasca because it was for the um, expansion and the survival of humanity, which is wild. Um, I've done ayahuasca and it was one of the most profoundly healing things I ever did, but uh, you know, seven different strains is, you know, when I had a, sat with a shaman and really started talking about this stuff, it was their infer- for they know so much more than we do. First off, <laughs> like any doctor, anybody like they, again, it's not in the medical terms, but when they talk about the soul and emotions and all of these things, it's, I would really love to go spend months with shamans and, and learn more um about the ancient medicine, because I think all the answers lie there. And we're just on the the precipice of what they've known for thousands and thousands of years. You know, it's funny to me that mental health issues and stuff don't even exist in the shamanic tribes, but anyway, but they're also very in touch with nature and, you know, spirit and all of those things and everything's around ceremony. And I, I just think that their cultures and their tribes and everything are so beautiful. And it's how our future society really should be modeled after of how they take care of each other and love each other. But, um, when I found out, and this was, you know, a couple of years ago that, um, you know, there were seven strains of ayahuasca. I was like, oh my gosh. So I started asking questions about the mushrooms and they started saying, well, yeah, it works in different energy fields. And I was like, of course it does. So we, we got into like, you know, we're both yoga teachers. So we're familiar with the chakras. And it's like, okay, if there's, you know, sexual trauma, then that's the sacral chakra. Then we found a mushroom that works in that chakra and pulls the negative frequency, right? If you go back to the body, keep score all the trauma out of that and helps transmute it because it works specifically in that chakra. I think the most wild mushroom, um, is the heart chakra mushroom. And it's people struggle with this the most, (laughs) um, you know, we, we put them on heart chakra mushrooms and they're like. What did you give me? I'm like, yeah, because almost everybody I know, again, it's that love energy, they really struggle with their heart chakra. And I you know I don't know if you're familiar with tapping, but almost every time I go into deep meditation, what you know, I start tapping on my heart because there's still even all the work that I've done, there's still blockage there. and even when I take heart chakra mushrooms, still, it agitates me because I'm not as open as I should be. Um, but then we have, you know, brain mushrooms and those are, those work when we're trying to balance serotonin, um, you know, and those are the higher doses of psilocybin usually. So they're in certain like cubist families, Cubanist families, but you know, when people are coming off of SSRIs and of course we work with psychiatrists or doctors, don't do this by yourself. Um, do not do this by yourself, (laughs) but we do use psilocybin to help balance the brain as they're coming off of these things and balance the serotonin, balance the melatonin, balance the dopamine. Uh, and, you know, so those are higher doses that we use in the brain. But if people, you know, have blocks in their crown chakras, have blocks, you know, it, we have certain mushrooms, there's four different types of mushrooms that we use in the mind, depending on what they're going through, you know, mind spins or serotonin, not being able to sleep this and that we have different strains for that. Um, and then we have just like body mushrooms. There's, um, there's a strain, actually it's B plus, but I'll give you, I'll give you that one. Cause that one's an easy one, but it's a love mushroom. It's the feminine mushroom. I call it because it just allows the body to, to feel love. And so I rarely even drink anymore, but if we go out dancing or stuff with friends, you know, and I'm always intentional about it. It's like, please just let me be in my body and enjoy being here. Cause there's still those subconscious things that come up of like, oh my God, what am I doing? What is happening? But you take those and it's like, all of a sudden you're just so in your body and you're so in love with the fact that like, how is this even real? That's extraordinary in itself. You know, those moments on mushrooms where you're just like, wow, I'm a human. Like, this is amazing. And my body works and it's in so much health. And there's so much gratitude and love in that specific strain of mushroom that that's kind of an overall body alignment mushroom. Uh, And we work with like Kundalini energy mushrooms, you know, those are out of Thailand and they take those on the full moon um, to find joy. And it's actually like connecting the moon to the internal body. Cause even in astrology, the body, you know, the moon represents our internal world. Uh, You know, so cultures do this all over the place, but collecting the information and actually seeing how different each strand works, not only with us, but with our clients and everything. And actually, you know. I want to sit down with the shamans we worked with and actually write out a book so that people can use this information or like, you know, how to do this and how to do that. And we're going to start making coaches by the end of the year. Um, You know, but people need this kind of information because not no two mushrooms are the same. They might do similar things, but you know, I know that especially in the women that have had like any kind of sexual trauma, you know, the, the mushrooms that work in the sacral chakra, it's like all of a sudden there's so many breakthroughs with how sex and money are related and how, you know, they've had so many self-confidence issues and money issues because their sacral chakra is blocked. And it's like, you open that up. And then all of a sudden they're like changing jobs and they're doing this and they're doing that. And they, they you know, and they're divine partners, they've had an orgasm for the first time. And you're just like, whoa, like this is so cool. So there are things that even, you know, androgynous semantic realm we can't, you can't do, I mean, like, I don't, I would, I can't wait someday to know, hopefully, like how that even works. Like how, how are, how are these doing that? Um, You know, in the ancient wisdom of like Maria Sevilla and all of those, you know, and even macrodosing while you're giving birth and it makes it orgasmic instead of painful you know, and, and microdosing while pregnant and all of these things are starting to become on the forefront of, you know, some of the things that we're working on. Cause all of a sudden there's all these pregnant women in our lives and Nicole and I don't have kids, but it's, um, I, I, I it's just endless, but you know, I do want facilitators and things to know is that you know, not everybody has access to that many different types of mushrooms. Um, hopefully soon, you know, any mushroom is better than no mushroom if you're looking for this, but just know that in shamanic medicine, all of them carry different healing energy, just like I'm a healer and Nicole is a healer, but we have different things that we're good at. This is the same with the mushrooms, the same with ayahuasca, same with everything. Um, so don't group everything together, You know start start to expand your mind because there is a lot of even information on the internet they've kind of pulled some of it down because it was wild like even a year ago there was more than what there is today so i want to put it on like our own platform and stuff like that because you know weird stuff like that's happening um but this ancient whimsum is starting to come up and out and um You know, I know that especially people that have big blocks with like meditation and stuff, there's actually a mushroom coming out of Atlanta that's called Jedi Mindfuck. That's literally what it's called. And it helps a lot of people drop into meditation and go into like the different dimensions and things and really start to see. Uh, But that's, that's, I wouldn't recommend that for the faint of heart. Um, And if you do it, like only take like one gram because it's nuts or just a microdose. First time I took it with a 200 milligram microdose, and I was like, "What did I just take? Whoa!" Like it was just the colors and everything were wild. Um, but it, I, it just gets so excited when I talk about all of this. But yeah.
0: Well, and I think you know, talking about it, you know, we have the opportunity that we have worked with, you know, we've had these conversations with this, with those who have served this ancient medicine. But the thing is, is that I think so much of it comes around intention. And that if you're seeking, you know, the, we don't know science hasn't proven, nor I don't know if it will, how these fungi work. Like they literally, they know we have like neurotransmitters that it like connects into in the brain and in the gut, but they don't actually have any idea what, how, um, which I think is really fascinating because nature is just in herself, she has her own codes and her own way of doing things. It's like a it's like a foreign language without a Rosetta stone pretty much. and when we work when you work with a medicine of any sorts, whether it's ayahuasca, peyote, you know, even cacao, it's communicating what you are looking for and what you need help and assistance with because, If not, and not setting that intention, it can be detrimental because you are working in the brain and you're creating, you know, something that can potentially rewire, you know, a negative thought pattern or rewire a negative, you know, anxiety or something in the body that we want to rid. So in working with this medicine, it's so important to just speak your intention and communicate with the fungi or whatever plant it is, because we so often forget that we are actually one with nature and that plants communicate with us all day long, whether we want them to or not, they, they do and they speak their own language, but we can also cohabitate and, and work with them together to create our own freedom of the mind.
1: Wow. That's so wonderful. Thank you so much to both of you. It's been amazing as we come to end of our conversation. Um, I would like to just sort of ask you to, you know, what would you like to leave our listeners with, your last words of wisdom. Um and then for sure we'll have your bio, full bio in the show notes and your links if our listeners are interested in connecting with you. And I just want to say you also host the synchronicity podcast together, which is wonderful. So if they want to go over and listen to some of your amazing content. And yeah, I will leave you to um say your last words of wisdom. So
0: I'll go first. Um, I would say that if you are curious about plant medicine, stay curious, get curious, ask questions, reach out. The internet is a profound place of information, but it's also a profound place of a lot of lies and misinformation. So look for communities that are structured and give you give you the right resources, you know, Michael Pollan, uh, Paul Statman, the, the forefathers that are still around have a lot of great information and they're the ones that will also open gateways. There's, you know, a lot of great resources. So stay curious and don't be scared because they're, we're, we're made to work with them. And
2: I will say one of my favorite quotes, which is most men die at 25 and aren't buried until they're 70. Don't let that be you. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, it's just to be alive and to fall in love with life again. Like there's, there is love and faith and I'd never use the word hope because, you know, I, I believe that faith and love are the stronger hope's frequencies of that hopes a bigger. <laughs> um, and to just fall in love with life again. And these, you know, if you're called to this, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously you're called to it, but just know that there's, there's so much more to life than we can see. And we live in the 1% what we can see and sense with our senses. And if you step into the 99 to the true quantum field and what humans are truly capable of, you will find delight and you will fall in love again. And, um, just never Never stop seeking and loving until you find whatever you're looking for because it's out there.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, Nicole and Megan. It's such a pleasure to meeting you and connecting in this way. Thank you for your wisdom and your time to share with us. Um, just out of curiosity, um, they say families trip together, stay together. Is that true? Yes. <laughs>
0: Yes. We're actually planning on going and sitting as a family um, in our first ayahuasca, like a first family-based ayahuasca ceremony. So that'll be um, a new profound thing. But yes, Megan and I, um, we have sat together many times on mushrooms and it's a
2: good time. And I will say that that's probably why we can own a company together as sisters with like origin trauma and be okay is because we are so accountable, but also we have the assistance of knowing that We came into this life together to do this work and that we won't let any of the trauma or the pain or the suffering experience continue. It stops with us. We, you know, we're the divine disruptors of our lineage and will continue to be in other people's if, you know, they'll, they'll step in. Um, But yeah. For sure. It's healed so much of even our sister wounds.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I, we had an experience where we were both um, told in different ways, but we are healing DNA simultaneously. So whatever I heal, Megan heals and whatever Megan heals, I heal. So it was a really kind of a profound breakthrough of realizing like, because we came from the same womb and we come from the same, you know, lineage, we are healing generational DNA. And it's, it's really, it's really profound and it's, it's a journey. It's fun. Sometimes it's not easy, but it's still fun. <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> it is It definitely keeps you accountable. It definitely does. But I love that. Yep. I appreciate that every day, actually.
1: Yep. It's beautiful. You divine disruptors. Such- <laughs> <laughs> you, and I think you're going to be an inspiration for a lot of the uh, listeners out there who have siblings and are uh, embarking on such journeys. I always encourage families to put medicine together as well beautiful yes. all right thank you
2: so much again once thank again thank you susan for having us and we appreciate you thank you and also thank you for the work that you do because you're doing it too you're a divine disruptor too i love that and i love meeting like like souls that are on this journey um into the
0: unknown together really yep because this soul contract for this lifetime is wild
1: <laughs> good time i appreciate thank you, you. Appreciate you both and hope to have you back very soon because we do love returning guests and following their journeys.
0: We would love that. Mm-hmm.
1: We'd you. be honored. Everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed the Divine Sisters Disruptors. And if you like to get in touch with them, we'll have all the links and the bio in the show notes. And... Do get in touch. Share your experiences. Maybe you have the same experiences with your families. Drop it in the comments. Don't be shy. I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us. Psychedelic Conversations podcast is designed to educate, inform, and expand awareness. For more information, please head over to psychedelicconversations.com. You can also share with your friends or leave a review so that we can reach more people. You can also join us in our private Facebook group to keep the conversation going. This show is for information purposes only and it is not intended to provide mental health or medical advice. Thanks for listening.